This is LiveWell Talk on Lung Cancer Diagnosis and Treatment. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at United Point Health, St. Luke's Hospital. Many of you are planning on celebrating National Peanut Butter Lovers Month in November, but it's also Lung Cancer Awareness Month. And joining me today to discuss lung cancer uh, treatment and diagnosis uh, is uh, Dr. Nick Lutis, uh, Radiation Oncologist with St. Luke's NASA Radiation Center. Uh, Dr. Lutis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I, w- I want to start off. Uh, can you? You're a radiation oncologist. You, you know, the people that meet you, you know, that it's not. Uh, they have cancer, so you know they. So not a lot of people know what a radiation oncologist is. Can you tell us just what is a radiation oncologist? Sure, it's a good question. There's a lot of. Uh, well, first of all, a lot of people have never heard of us, and then um, even those who have, oftentimes don't know a lot about what we do. So. You know, we get confused with medical oncologists sometimes or uh, radiologists, but we're a distinct specialty. Um, We are essentially responsible for treating cancer patients who need radiation as a part of their treatment. So we're the ones responsible for, um, you know, once someone already has a cancer diagnosis, they may be referred to us if one of their other cancer doctors feels that they may benefit from radiation. Um, And we... Uh, our role um, is essentially to determine who needs radiation, um, how much radiation to give someone, uh, and then we're also responsible for uh, planning and managing uh, patients during their radiation treatments and following them afterwards for any long-term side effects. And it's definitely, I mean, I have a little inside baseball here knowledge, but uh, you, you play a big role in clinic safety. Uh, I mean, obviously you have radiation in the clinic, you have to be cautious. You have to follow protocols. And I know you have a big role in that, uh, and we're glad that you do. But when it comes to lung cancer, how do we screen for lung cancer? Yeah, so, uh, you know, a number of years ago, um, there we began to develop a, a lung cancer screening program. It's gone through um, some evolution over that time. Uh, there were some studies that demonstrated that um, uh especially heavy smokers um, would actually uh, benefit significantly from uh, undergoing routine chest CT scans to detect early stage lung cancers before they become symptomatic. So um, currently uh, what we do is we screen patients 55 to 77 um, who are either current smokers or have quit within the last 15 years. Um, and have at least a cumulative uh, 30-pack year history. So that's the number of packs of cigarettes per day multiplied by the number of years that they've smoked that amount. Um, If that amounts to 30 or more, they're eligible for this lung cancer screening program. And essentially what it involves, um, it's it's pretty slick. Um, Basically, they will undergo a low-dose chest CT on an annual basis to search for any newer developing lung cancers. and so it's been shown that this, these cancer screening programs ultimately um, will uh, diagnose patients at earlier stages when the cancer is more treatable um, and has shown to uh, contribute to better outcomes in the long run. Uh, so it's fairly non-invasive uh, type of testing. And every once in a while, you know, most of these end up being negative, uh, which is good. It means that, uh, you know, the majority of our patients going through these programs do not have lung cancer. Um, Occasionally, we'll find some findings that will require um, some further imaging down the road. um, And sometimes we'll uh, find 
more suspicious findings that require biopsy right away. So um, depending on what we find at that time, uh, there's a number of different pathways that we can go down. Will you elaborate mostly just for me, because I'm not so sure I understand the difference. When you say low dose, how, how's that? So obviously it's lower dose than a normal CT scan, but can you give me like, what, what does that actually mean? Yeah, great question. So, um, you know, low dose chest CT is, um, uh, it's called low dose because it's about one tenth of the radiation that uh, is used in a normal diagnostic chest CT. So, um, you know, there's a, we always try to limit the amount of uh, unnecessary radiation that we we give to patients. Um, and these low dose chest CTs are still very sensitive. Um, and we don't necessarily need the additional dose of radiation uh, to the patient's chest to find these uh, small tumors. Okay, that I that that question is really for me because I've never really uh, picked up on that. So we talked about the screening and the lung check, and you told us who who's eligible for that. But how, what sort of difference does that make in the diagnosis? I mean, usually when these recommendations come out, they say, well, you know. It, you'll have too many false positives lead to biopsies and therefore it does more harm than good. But tell us how that's evolved, because I know it has. I know it has. It's evolved this 15 years ago or 25 years ago when I started. And if I said I want to do a low dose CT scan, first of all, they're like 16 slice back then. So, you, you know, you wouldn't even recognize them. Um, but they, they, they would they would have laughed at me. They would have said no way. And But now it's, you know, it's a stand. It's an expectation, really. Tell us tell us how that works. Yeah, that's a great question, and, and you're absolutely right. We weren't doing these in the past. Um, the reason we've started doing them now is there have been a number of studies that have shown um, their efficacy at diagnosing these um, these cancers at earlier stages. And the big finding is that you know when we we take a population of patients um, who fit these uh, these criteria of being high risk, and we randomize them to either getting uh, screened or not screened we see that the patients who are getting screened actually will live longer on average. Um, and so that's a, a big driver for why we do this is, is patients who receive screening live longer than those who don't. And the thought is that we're catching some of these lung cancers at earlier stages when they're still treatable as opposed to finding them late when they've become incurable. You know, while we're on that subject, I got a question for you. Do you think, are you seeing cancers that anecdotally may be more advanced than they were because of the pandemic and how we quit doing routine imaging there for a while? Have yeah, you noticed that? Absolutely. That's been a big problem here recently. Um, there have been a lot of screening tests that got delayed as a result of the yeah. pandemic. Um, and, you know, some of that was was necessary initially, but then, um, you know, after a certain time period, a lot of uh, people kind of fell off our radar, um, you know, in terms of, of doing some of these screening tests with especially, um, you know, things like doing colonoscopies and right. cancer screenings and, and lung cancer screenings as well. Um, yeah, it's it's really hard to emphasize uh, the importance of, of screening and early detection for uh, many of these cancers. Um, the difference in both the intensity of treatment and the effectiveness of treatment uh, can really differ drastically depending on how soon we can catch uh, cancers. Yeah, that that's that's interesting because that that's been my observation with diabetes, heart disease. You know um, that that patients are showing up more advanced uh, or decompensated, and I think it's from the 
pandemic and when we essentially suspended primary care for a period of time. We'll uh, return to discussing the treatment of lung cancer in just a minute, but first I want to tell listeners about a new segment of the podcast, The Mailbag. If you have questions about COVID-19, the latest technologies, or other service lines at St. Luke's, uh, you can submit your question to me at unionpoint.org backslash mailbag, and they will be answered on a future podcast. Uh, please note the mailbag is obviously not an alternative to medical appointments, and any questions about personal symptoms or conditions need to be directed to your primary care clinician or in urgent care. In the case of medical emergency, uh, call 911 or go to your nearest emergency department. Once again, you can submit your questions to me at unipoint.org backslash mailbag. That's unipoint.org backslash mailbag, common spelling, M-A-I-L-B-A-G. Look forward to hearing from our amazing listeners. They've presented some challenging questions thus far, and it'll keep me on my toes. Now back to Dr. Ludis. So my lung cancer is diagnosed. The biopsy shows it is, and now I need treatment. Uh, but now, it's not just one doctor. I mean, and I think we need to give more credit to that collaborative team approach you have. So kind of take me through what that looks like over at the cancer center. Yeah, so it, uh, you're absolutely right. It takes a whole team of doctors um, in both the diagnosis and the treatment of lung cancer. Um, that's part of the reason why we have a, a multidisciplinary tumor board uh, that meets on a weekly basis. Uh, where we review new cancer diagnoses um, and even sometimes uh, patients who have been treated who may have new findings um, on imaging. Uh, there are a number of specialties that are involved. Um, radiation oncology obviously is one of them, so I attend these meetings along with um, pulmonologists who treat uh, uh, lung diseases like uh, COPD and perform uh, procedures like bronchoscopies and biopsies and so forth. Um, they oftentimes are, are very well plugged in with some of these patients who already have underlying lung disease. Um, there's also usually thoracic surgeons uh, that uh, play a part uh, as uh, surgery oftentimes plays a role in the treatment of early stage lung cancer. Um, and then there are medical oncologists who are the doctors that uh, give chemotherapy, um, as that oftentimes will play a role, especially in more advanced lung cancers as well. So all of those participants, as well as there, we have nurses and care coordinators and therapists that are all um, important parts of the team as well. It really takes a, a collaborative environment to determine the best way to treat patients and then to make sure they have all the resources available as they go through treatment. And let's not forget, you also have the receptionist, Joan, who's like the sweetest person in the entire world. That's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. She's, uh, she makes our, our job here a lot easier. Yes, she does. She's a great person, great family, too. Uh, so, OK, so I have lung cancer. I can have surgery to have it cut out. Mm -hmm. I can go to uh, Dr. Buntinas and get some chemotherapy to keep it from spreading. But now they say, hey, you need to have radiation. Take me kind of through what that would look like. Yeah, so, uh, and that's a, that, that brings up a really important point that uh, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of differences in, in people's lung cancer treatments depending on their stage primarily. So a lot of uh, pieces go into determining the best way to approach a treatment. So, you know, I, I tend to divide up my lung cancer treatment into two broad categories. So the first treatment that I offer and the one that I, I prefer to use most often if possible 
is called SBRT, which stands for stereotactic body radiotherapy. And essentially, it's a fancy way of saying using high-dose radiation um, in a very focused manner to essentially um, accomplish the same thing that surgery does. So we use this technique when a patient has an early stage lung cancer, like a stage one lung cancer, without any lymph node involvement, but they're not able to undergo surgery for any number of reasons, whether it's uh, you know underlying lung disease or some other medical issue um, that would prevent them from doing uh, a surgery like a lobectomy. So in this case, we use um, high-dose radiation over the course of usually about one to two weeks, and we give somewhere in the range of three to five fractions most of the time uh, to really burn away at that tumor. Um, it's generally a very well-tolerated procedure. Patients often will experience some fatigue, um, but usually that's about it. Um, and then after that, we follow the patient and make sure that that area um, does not continue to grow afterwards. Uh, most of the time, patients do not have uh, big issues with, with uh, long-term side effects from that treatment either. So it's a very effective way of treating lung cancer, uh, and it's becoming uh, more and more utilized as it uh, uh, has become more mainstream. So that's just one of the treatments that I do. Um, other patients who have more advanced disease, uh, who are potentially too advanced for surgery, uh, will then come to me and I'll treat them with a combination of chemotherapy and radiation. So in that case, uh, we usually involve our medical oncology colleagues to give the chemotherapy portion. And then from my perspective, I'm giving usually about six weeks of radiation in that situation. So patients are coming in on a daily basis um, for six weeks. Um, and it's another treatment that, uh, you know, I would say is relatively well tolerated. It's a little bit more intense um, than the, the SBRT treatment that I was previously describing um, because it's usually larger fields because of the more advanced nature of the cancer um, and usually a little longer, uh, more exposure to, to radiation over a longer time period as well. So those patients, again, you know, oftentimes experience fatigue. They can also um, run into some swallowing difficulties uh, towards the end of treatment as well. Um, and then, you know, a number of side effects that go along with the chemotherapy uh, can, can come into play too. So those are sort of the two general broad categories of, of treatments that I do for um, localized uh, uh, lung cancer when it can be potentially cured. Um, and then sometimes we also will play a role in the palliation or the um, the treatment of, of symptomatic uh, uh, metastatic lesions. So if someone has very advanced disease that's spread to other areas of the body, radiation is often very effective at alleviating right. symptoms like pain and, and so forth. Over the years, you know, I had, have had patients that had to the spine and very painful. You guys take care of them and, uh, you know, don't, don't obviously don't cure the cancer, but uh, really alleviate their pain. Yeah, and it's very important, you know, with lung cancer, it has a, a very much a propensity to to spread and to to spread early. So just, you know, again, to emphasize the importance of of early detection, um, really, you know, plays an important role at limiting some of the uh, uh, the negative consequences of of uh, letting these tumors go for too long. And there's also an element of I learned this one over at the hospital because sometimes we'd have a patient undergoing radiation, they get admitted for something else. 
Mm -hmm. You know, they're due for radiation. You call to the clinic, they're like, no, that's okay, they can miss. Or they're like, no, unequivocally, we got to get them over here. And it was explaining it's the timing related to the chemotherapy that, you know, they that sometimes you just can't miss your appointment. Other times it's not as significant, correct? That's right. That's on a, you know, a patient by patient basis, actually. Yes. And, you know, it'll depend on a number of factors, both the disease factors and also, um, you know, what what else is going on with them in the hospital. So that's an important part of my job is to determine, you know, when do we uh, continue treatment or, or when do we put a patient on hold? Yeah. And we're always grateful for your assistance as a hospitalist. I am. One last question. Yeah. Why did you choose radiation oncology? <laughs> well, that's that's kind of a, a long roundabout answer, but, you know, I'll, I'll try to give you the brief version of it. Um, you know, I had a little bit of exposure to it, actually, um, before medical school. That's that's um, a pun intended there, right? Exposure, radiation. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't intended, but it is. Oh, okay. All right. Take credit for it. Um, yeah. So I, I, I knew about it beforehand and it, it kind of piqued my interest. It just, it seemed like a, a really cool kind of technical specialty. I have a, a, a background in, um, uh, you know, math and, and physics a little bit. And it's, it's one of those specialties where uh, it, it's fairly physics heavy as a, a medical specialty. And that, as I'm sure uh, uh, you know, is not the favorite subject amongst most uh, medical students. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's sort of a uh, a unique niche within within medicine, and you know the what really got me to enjoy it. Um, you know, in terms of the the day to day practice, is is primarily the relationships I get to build with my patients. So, um, you know, as you know, um, the way medicine works in most uh, arenas is, you know, there's a incentive to to move patients through fairly quickly and to see them and and to you know get on to the the next thing. You know, there's a there's a lot of patients who need treatment and and uh, evaluation and and not enough uh, providers to do that and and give them the time that they really deserve. Um, but fortunately, here we we have a little bit more luxury of time. It's very important to educate patients thoroughly before they go through a radiation treatment. And so, you know, I typically will spend at least an hour with a patient up front to to get to know them and and review the details of their case. Um, and so then once they start as well. Uh, generally, most of these treatments go for a number of weeks. And so, uh, you know, it's it's not generally a field in which I see someone and then don't see them again for another year, half a year. Um, you know, I, we have kind of an intense period where I'm seeing them on a weekly basis and developing a, a relationship with them. And so it's a very unique, um, you know, patient experience in that uh, respect, which I enjoy a lot. Uh, and then, you know, just the 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 science behind uh, uh, both the development of cancer and the treatment of cancer is is very fascinating to me as well. So it's hard for me to imagine myself in another specialty at this point. So so basically, the nerdy medical students go into radiation oncology. Say That's it what like I'm hearing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we have well, that reputation. Yeah. Just kidding. Uh, thank you for joining me today. This was great information. Once again, this is Dr. Nick Ludis a radiation oncologist with St. Luke's NASA Radiation Center. For more information on lung cancer screening and treatment, visit communitycancercenter.org backslash lung. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.